Today, Dr. Lou Primavera, a lifelong psychologist and social scientist, gives us insights on his research that shows us just how hard it is to psychologically stop working. In fact, after phase one, the honeymoon stage, steps two, three, and four get much tougher. Dr. Primavera helps us navigate the tricky and often difficult psychological side of retirement, even when we have all the money in the world. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Lou Primavera, you're a dynamic guy. I look at your bio and you've held roles at Sloan Kettering and you're at the, near the Dean of Health Sciences, School of Health Sciences at Toro, and you've done work for so many great universities. And the reason we wanted to bring you on the show is that the, the psychological side of retirement is so darn hard for so many people. Uh, and I've seen it over and over and over again. Not, no money or lots of money. If you're not prepared for the mental side, it's really tough. You know, you wrote the retirement maze, and I and I know that you surveyed over fifteen hundred retirees. Let's talk the retirement maze. First of all, just how important is it to be mentally prepared? We almost well, take it for granted. Let me let me tell you that when we uh, started this project, uh, uh, the the first author uh, Bob Pascal was my first PhD student. Went into marketing, made a ton of money, uh, retired young. Uh, we, we've always had a good relationship. He uh, emailed me, you want to have dinner? I said, sure. We went. He said, you know, I'm having a hell of a time with retirement. Mm. He said, I really can't figure it out. You want to write a book with me? So off we went. We did. We're, we're, we're social scientists, so we went and we did some research. And, and what you find is that when you look at the, if, if you go onto Amazon or any of the places where you can buy books, you will see that there are a number of books. Most of them deal with finances. Not that mm. finance is not important. But mm -hmm. that's that's a piece of the game. Finances gives you permission to retire. Okay, so you don't have the money, you can't retire. Okay. However, mm -hmm. they ignore, or they're what we call rah-rah books. They tell you how wonderful retirement's going to be. You're going to have such a great time. You're going to be relieved from all the burdens of life, and and then none of them addresses many of the real issues that people get in trouble with. Yeah. All right. And a couple of years ago. I, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal, and it was the, I think it was titled The Case Against Early Retirement. And it, a couple years prior, I had written a book called You Can Retire Sooner Than You Think. So I was immediately offended. I was like, no, no, there's no way. And it went through, and it had study after study. It, it, you know, it said, look, if you, if you retire uh, early, you just you die earlier. And it had uh, this amazing study from some Scandinavian country, this may have been Sweden, where they were running out of workers uh, that were senior, which is interesting. It's kind of like the opposite of, of today in, in America. American companies try to get rid of workers and bring in younger workers to pay them less. But in Europe, they were running out of, of workers, and they – they did a national bonus for every year you worked past 60. It was like 61, you got an extra 5% of whatever you're selling, 62. And that five-year microcosm, that group 
had lo more longevity than the rest of the population. And it, and it basically said, look, see, if you die, if you if you retire early, you can literally die earlier. And this kind of goes back to a lot of the things I think you're saying. Okay. Now, if, if you, if you think about who we are, one, one way to think about, about, about our self-identity is that we're a combination of a number of different roles. Mm -hmm. All right. So where, let's say I'm, I'm a psychologist, I'm an educator, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I was, but you know, both my parents have passed, but I, I was a son, I'm a cousin, etc. The position that the job you have plays a major, is a major dominant role. Not all roles are equal, all right? And they shift in time. So now you take the situation and you remove a major role. Mm -hmm. And who are you? I mean, you go to a party, you go to a social group. Hi, I'm Lou. Wes, how are you? Wes, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Not not how many kids you have. Are you married? What's the first question? Wes, what do you do? Yeah. And so it becomes so part of us. And I know, I know my wife retired. She would say, I was mm -hmm. a central administrator. She was a K through 12 central administrator. She had a really hard job. And, and, you know, and, and, and you're not, and, and you're not there anymore. And so now there's a loss of identity. There's a real loss of identity. There's a big piece of who you were is now gone. Right. Mm. And, you know, people try to struggle with that, try to get that back in some way. Maybe they go back and they hang around where they work. Nobody wants you around after you retired. You know, if you if you go back to work and many people do that, uh, they, they can do that. That helps. It's, we often call it we think about it as a bridge job, you know, going from the job to retirement. And it's a helpful bridge. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. We had a guy who retired and it's interesting about, you know, what does it mean to be retired? So we ask him, what are you doing? Oh, he works. He works the same job, same number of hours. How are you retired? Hmm. And I can leave anytime I want. So that was, that's his definition. Of it. In his head, he was retired because he wasn't tied to this job. Okay. That's a cool way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. yeah it, it is a way to look at it. So, you know, you think about it, how important what we do, particularly in this culture, and, and says about who we are. And, and, and for ourselves, once that's gone, it's very hard. So now the question is, you got this big hole. Mm -hmm. You're doing it. Okay. How do you and, fill it? Yeah, exactly. You know, when people first retire, and we talk to people who just retired, oh, they're related. You know, in fact, you know, uh, they talk about there are, there are four stages. There's the honeymoon, meaning that you're, that you're you know, Doing great. I love it. Oh, I can sleep as late as I want and I can do whatever I want and I don't have to worry about this. And then it begins, then the then the disenchantment stage comes in. Because you you look in the mirror and say, What the hell am I gonna do today? What's what's the day for me? Think about how work structures your life. It structures your vacations. Okay. My wife often says, people who want to retire really want a long vacation. Yeah. <laughs> after that vacation, they become disenchanted. And now you got to reorient yourself. Okay. And quite frankly, what we found uh, in our surveys is that people really didn't do very well with it. Only about 44% of the people who retired once they hit that stage were satisfied, felt that they were completely adjusted. It never got to 100%. Whoa. Okay. Wait, hold on. So, Lou, so you, we're, we're still in stage two, disenchantment. Right. And then comes reorientation. That's the point where you begin to reformulate who you are, figure out what you want to do. But not, not, not many people do it well. You know, the one thing we found fascinating 
the 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 number of people who, who went on antidepressants if they'd been retired for a while increased. Okay, increased. You tell. I mean, obviously, why? Because they yeah. weren't happy with what they were doing. Hopefully, one goes from honeymoon, disenchantment, reorientation, and stability. But but it doesn't happen a lot. There's a lot of people who just never find themselves in retirement. So stability is the fourth area. So yes. you finally, you reorient yourself and then you get into a stable place. Right. But yeah. let's think about some of those statistics for a second. So the, the percentage of retirees that are on antidepressants is X level yeah. in retirement. You found it's X plus. Yes, plus. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. You know, having, it, it's interesting. Uh, if, if I were going to write a book on retirement, I, I mean, on, on, on overcoming depression, I would, I would say, get off your butt and do something. Mm. Because what happens is a tendency, if you don't know what to do, if you're not planning, and we're going to talk about some of the things you can do to actually get yourself going, okay, if you're not planning, if you haven't planned, and you know the interesting part about planning is so few people plan. Mm. Even CEOs we found didn't plan. They figured, their attitude was, I'll figure it out. It's yeah. going to be wonderful. I'll have all this freedom. I'll figure it out. They don't figure it out. They don't figure it out. Many of them don't figure it out. They just wonder. At the end, people retired for 10 years. We found only 60% said that they were fully adjusted. Really? That's really concerning. That's really concerning. And Uh, and part of it is because people don't plan. They don't plan. Even when they plan finances, you know, it's funny. Money is a funny funny, uh, commodity. All right. We had one guy who, if he could, every day of his life, spend every penny, just spend money, couldn't spend all his money. Every week he called his financial advisor. Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? Because what happens when you retire? The paycheck's not coming in anymore. Okay. And that, you know, what does the paycheck symbolize? It symbolizes, hey, you did a good job. Here's your money. Okay, and it, it's a tangible symbol of, of accomplishment. So you don't get that. And all of a sudden, even though you might have plenty of money, people get very nervous about money. Right? You know, it's interesting. We, we ask people to do a very simple thing. We're not financial advisors. And we do think that any smart person who has some resources should have a financial advisor. Okay. Hey, I'll advocate for that, man. I, I'm with you on that. That's what I, I, I do that in my, my spare time. Absolutely. Oh, you do that. Absolutely. And, 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 and so but we say to people, do you know how you spend your money? So we said, I'll tell you what you do. Take a spreadsheet. You, you can do it in Excel if you like, or just paper and pencil. And write down all the things that you spend money on and write the days of the week. And do that for a month and then tally them up and take a look. Take a look at two things. Do you realize how much money you spend on coffee? Do you, much, do you realize how much, how, how much you spend on whatever? And then think to yourself, which of these expenses goes away? Maybe you don't spend as much money on clothes as you did. The mm-hmm. one okay. Maybe you spend more money on travel. And so to get a sense of really what you spend, most people, when they do that, say, I never realized how much money I spend on X, whatever it was. Okay. Because, because you go day to day, you don't think about it. All right. So even in financial planning, and we do advocate using a financial advisor who can have a, a better picture of where you're at, and mm-hmm. you talked about how to structure your money and advise you well. 
Well, and, and by the way, Lou, I was I was kidding. About it. So I do. I'm actually, you know, I, I am an author and I do a lot of media. But we, do, I do have a firm in Atlanta and around. We have branches in Denver and in Tampa and around the U.S. And um, you know, so I the money side is hugely. I'm the chief investment strategist for our firm. We manage about three and a half billion. You know, I, I fo- we focus so much in on the money, right. and I've that's why on this podcast I'm trying to do more about your side of the equation, which is to your point, the equation is not complete without the psychological side. It sounds like disenchantment happens to a lot of retirees. I don't know if you have a percentage on that. And then I wanted to ask you about the money side. Is it do most of the people in your survey have? quote, enough that, yeah. that they could at least live. And then it was more about figuring it out. Exactly. It's not the money is not the major issue. Because if you have a financial advisor, you'll know whether you're able to retire. Yeah. Okay. And that's the reason we say before you think about it, get get a financial advisor. Whatever you spend on a financial advisor, let me tell you, will be worth will be will be worth it in gold. All right. Mm-hmm. So you get that figured out. And if you can't do it then then and then you're done. Then you need to continue to work or think about some alternative way. Now, sure. there are many ways to adjust your situation. Sell a house, go into a small apartment. I mean, there, there are those things. But a financial advisor can help you figure all that out. Okay. But let's take a very important part of our lives, and that's socialization. Okay. What percentage of the people that you socialize with are people at work? It could be as much as 40%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take them out of the equation. Take them out of the equation. So what do we recommend? Stay socially connected. Contact old friends. Bob contacted me when he retired. He said, hey, Lou, yeah. let's have lunch once a week. <laughs> so we have lunch once every couple of weeks. Get your thing connected. One of the things that one of the mistakes people make is that they they reduce their, their social circle because they retire. And now they focus everything on the family. Mm-hmm. And that's not a great idea. Oh, that's interesting. So I guess what you're saying is you see retirees that get a little overbearing and then their family kind of pushes them back a little bit. Does that happen? Yeah, that happens. And let me tell you another thing. All right. You're a CEO and you retire. Okay. You used to telling people what to do. Guess who's at home? Oh, yeah. She don't want to be told how to, how to do what she does. And by the way, it goes both ways. Yeah. Okay? In fact, we argue that if 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 there's if you have a couple both working, the best is you retire together, mm. because that person home is used to, you know, at work, you know, do this, do that, let's get this done, let's get that done. That doesn't necessarily work. You <laughs> interviewed a group of women uh, whose husbands or executives about to retire. They weren't happy about it. <laughs> okay, why? You know what it means? It means that if you know that's going to be a problem, you address it. You sit with your spouse. And you say, listen, I'm not going to be home, okay? We're going to have to work our schedules around, and we're going to have to structure things so I'm not jumping all over you and you're not walking all over me, and then we both have time together and we have time separately, okay? Socializing separately, I think, is very important. Getting yourself out of the house, because COVID has really made this a real problem. Getting out of the house, getting out there, you know, talking to people, whether it's going to lunch, whatever you're doing, it, it's extremely important. All right. It doesn't matter what you do. Just uh, you have to get socialized. Yeah. And but but is it hard? I mean, isn't it hard? I think of when you're a younger parent, 
you're you're for you're just there's so much socialization. You get your kids school and you got work and you've got uh, it's just such a there's so much uh, whether you like it or not, you're bumping into so many different people when you're 65 and you've left work. I mean, what do you you know, at that point, if you don't have a bunch of core pursuits, have you in the reorientation phase, what do you do you see anything in particular that works? Because yeah, here's, here's the thing. And one of the things we say is you got to keep searching and experimenting. Because what you think you might enjoy doing in retirement, you may not. Mm. We, we, had a, we had a senior executive, love golf. Golf was his passion. He'd been retired for a year. We said, how much golf do you play? He said, I don't play golf anymore. Hmm. I don't play golf anymore. How come? He said, golf used to be my relaxation. It became my job. So now... You got to look for things, right? Everybody wants, you know what? I think I'm going to volunteer. That's what I'm Okay. Okay. Oh, when you do it, you say, you know what? I don't like it. You got to keep searching. You got to keep trying things. Maybe there's a combination of things that you have to, we all want something that we feel gives us purpose, something that we're doing that we feel contributes in some way. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you, if you talk to anybody who holds a job, you say, how do you contribute to society? They'll tell you how they think them, how they do it, whether they help people with their finances, whether they're a banker and they, and they, and, and they, and they, and they deal with their customers in a certain way. All right. So now that's gone. You got to find something. It takes time to find things and you got to keep experimenting. That's the key issue because you can plan in advance, but you never really know until you're there, whether that's going to work for you. Lou, let's talk about marriage. You briefly touched on it. What do couples do to stay happy? Let's say uh, when they're in retirement. You, you know, you know. I, I used to. I did a lot of marriage counseling. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, in fact, Rob and I wrote a book on marriage. If if you think of it, and people say, well, "What's what's a good formula for marriage?" They say one plus one is three. Okay, you must maintain your identity. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to reassert that uh, in retirement. You need to have your own friends as well as mutual friends. Mm-hmm. You need to have your own interests. You need to be able to, you can't sit and stare at each other for 12, 14 hours a day. It won't work. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and it's important that you maintain that individuality. Okay. I've heard people say, well, when you get married, you merge into one. Nah, that's nonsense. You create a third entity mm-hmm. called a relationship and you nurture that the way you do a plant. All right. And so in retirement, you need to think about it. that's why I'm saying it's not only just planning in the sense of finances and stuff. It's planning and sitting with the people who are going to be part of your life and saying, look, I'm changing now. How are we going to work this out? Here are the sources. Here are the problems. If we run into a problem, how are we going to work it out? You can't simply ignore it. And, 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 and you know, it's coming. You, you absolutely know it's coming. All right. So it's very important that if you're married, or your significant other or whatever, mm-hmm. that you sit with that person and you say, let's look at all the things that we do and how are they going to change and how are we going to deal with it? It sounds to me, and I don't, I don't know anything about divorce rates or I, I don't know if I would venture to guess, but do divorce rates go up post-retirement? I don't know if I've ever I, read about that. I, I believe so, but I, I not, that, if, if I don't know the statistics, I'd rather not comment. Right? Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would gather, particularly if you've got a marriage that's sort of held together by absence. 
Mm. Okay. They were married. You go to work, you go to work. And we're 12 hours a day. We don't spend that much time together. There's less time for conflict. Right? Yeah. And so I would, so I would imagine, yes, I, I would imagine it does happen. Um, if I had to guess, I would say, yes, it probably does happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's just so important. The whole thing is about expectations. Mm-hmm. You've got to manage your expectations. You know? and, 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 and that's what we tell people, you know, I love to ask people, what do you, how do you think, uh, how do you think life's going to be? Well, we ask people that question. 70% said it's going to be great. So everybody thinks retirement's going to be great. When reality, how what's the number of that said it was great? Yeah, I guess you said only forty-four percent initially, and then it gets a little better with it gets a little better with time. And and I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's because people have unrealistic expectations. You know, you know, there are two ways to be retired. You, what you are the two are, ways? You you are pushed into retirement, or you're pulled into retirement. All right. Mm. For instance, we had a financial guy, right? He got a package, got called into the office and said, okay, we love you. You did a great job. Here's your package. Goodbye. All right. That's, I guess that's a push. <laughs> yeah. That's a definite push. Okay. And he said, I'm never getting another job in this field. Hmm. That costs too much. And, nobody, and nobody's going to believe that I'll work just as hard for less money. That's the big, that's a big problem. All right. And so, and, and then there are people who, who pull, they say, oh, that's going to be great. It's going to be terrific. I think you need to manage your expectations. And if you begin to address each issue and, you know, the book goes through each of the issues, you know, each issue, social, socialization, family, marriage, all these things, self-concept, all these things you need to think about, you need to plan. But most importantly, you have to understand that your plans are just plans. You got to try them out. If they don't work, you got to be willing to shift and do something different. You know, um, you know, one of the other, the, um, one of the other questions I have, or at least that you, you talk about, uh, actually, I think it sounds like you even studied um, couples and even like the benefits of sex, like couples absolutely. staying sexually oh, active. Tell me, let's talk about that. Now, now retire sooner podcast is getting racy. <laughs> talk to me about uh, this. Well, look, you know, you know, you know, if, 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 if sex is just uh, physical release, then it's, it's, it's not the same act when two people care about each other and they're sensitive to each other. It obviously builds and builds on the intimacy that, that, you, that makes a good relationship, all right? And so we do say, you know, have more sex. But yeah. not just have more sex, have more intimacy. Really, so maybe, intimacy. Maybe you can plan once a week. Uh, my wife and I decided, I'm married almost 55 years. And Holy August God. 27th will be 55 years. And we decided when we married only a couple of years that we would date. And so like- we made we made a day a date. We, we would get dressed up or we would go out to eat or we'd go to the movies and we would do something that we would have done on a date. And that was our time together. And our boys, we got a we got a babysitter for the boys and we dated. And I think that kind of idea where it's not just sex, it's really intimacy and spending time together and treating each other special. Because I think that's a very important part of making a good relationship. Mm. You know. It's a good practical thing, particularly, you know, so Americans went through COVID and there are a lot less date nights through the pandemic. And now there's going to be an abundance of date nights if you can get a reservation because the world's <laughs> obviously pretty busy. But you guys had how many kids did you have? We have two boys. 
two boys. I like the boys. I'm, I'm remember, I got a couple of those too. I got four of them. So it's, it's, it's a, it's actually a pretty tall order to get anybody to watch all four of them. But I agree um, with you. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, the point is that and what we tell people to do is think about all these things, talk about them with your people, by the way, not only talk about it to your wife, but you talk to your kids. Okay. Dad's going to be different. Dad and mom are going to be different now. How are we going to work that out? Don't just dump the kids on us because we're home all the time. Yeah. Okay. Let's plan it out. Okay. Respect my time and we'll respect your time. I mean, all there, there are lots of those kinds of issues and you got to keep thinking about them, planning them and recognize that the plans are just that they're plans and you have to be willing to readjust. Lou, what was the biggest surprise that you saw? I mean, here you are a social psychologist you know, you and Rob Pascal sit down and write the retirement maze. You obviously knew the importance of the psychological side going in. You knew it was important. What was the biggest shocker from the research that ultimately led led to the book? People are kind of surprised. They, they think they have this kind of unreasonable expectation that all the problems are going to go away. And I thought that, but then when we saw the data, I said, yeah, a lot of people think there's going to be evidence. It's not going to be evidence. You know, it's, it's, you know, as you get older also, um, you're a young guy, but as you get older, how much time do you spend going to physicians? Now, when yeah. I was 30, I, I have a physician who lived around the block. That's how I saw him. I, I saw him. How you doing? You're okay. But now, oh, I mean, I got a podiatrist appointment and cardiologist appointment and all, and all that plays a role. I mean, yeah. all that plays a role. I mean, you know, and, and your physical health becomes very important. You take care of your physical health. That's kind of interesting. One of the things we say is one of the things that work did for you was to give you a schedule. Reinstate a schedule. I like Don't that. get up anytime you want. Get up at a regular time. Have a routine. Although people say routine is boring. No, it's regulating. Mm-hmm. And then you can go off from the routine if, if you want to. Just the way you would do that when you work. Okay. Shave, shower. Okay. Oh, you'd be surprised. You know, people just let it go. Yeah, they let it go. Exactly. And, and you can do that for a while and that's okay. But then you got to put it back into perspective. You know, you know, you think about it years ago when I was a kid, people retired, they lived three years and they died. Yeah. That's pretty common. Huh? Mm-hmm. Now people can live in retirement for almost as long as they want. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So now you have to think about this is a new stage of development. This is just like when you were a kid and became an adolescent and you had all those adjustments to make about being an adolescent. You had hormones and you had now the opposite sex. You had all those kind of things. Same thing here. You are now changing who you are in a very important sense. And so now you have to think about it and you have to work on it and you have to be willing to keep trying again. Now that didn't work. Try again. Try this. That didn't work. Try this. And, and I think that effort, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, after we published the book, there was a group in Connecticut that asked us to come up and talk. Okay. These were all executives who had retired early. And in our data, we found that retirement early, just like you thought, uh, or, or just like you said, has its problems. You know why? Because you're a loner. Wait, so just because you're a what now? A loner. you got got friends. You're the only one retired. Okay. When you're 65, if you retire, maybe half your friends are retired. 
So yeah. early retirees, and again, that's a lot of the folks here retire sooner. You're right. It's you look around and you're like, wait a minute, you're still working, and you're still working, you're still working. Yeah. Yeah. So so no, I can't meet you to lunch. I got a full schedule. Yeah. Now, now we go up to this group and we say that, and they go, No, we're fine. You know why they're fine? They had constructed this group. Mm. And this group did what's what what executives do. They plan. They worked out, they had a whole list of activities that they were doing and, and, and they would have a meeting once a week and they would say, okay, five of us are going to do this. Who wants to do it? Then, and so they were doing fine because they had done actually, because what we said, you know, our retirees have more difficult. They say, no, we don't find that. But then I say, you know why you don't find that? Look what you've done. Mm-hmm. They constructed a mini society of retired executives who worked together and supported each other and created a life for themselves. Very smart. That was really smart. You know, it is funny. I, um, I have a chapter in my book that's coming out this fall. So my book is called what the happiest retirees know. And I have a whole study around socialization and it doesn't surprise me the way the relationship worked out, but how dramatic it was surprised me, Lou. And and I asked, how many organized social groups do you belong to? For instance, like Rotary, organize it, regularly meets. For instance, a regular golf group that meets once a month or once a week. Anything that's organized, centrally organized. And I found that the retirees that had at least one group, the, the, the rate of happiness was more than 2x the th- folks that don't have an organized group. It's such a simple thing, but yet so powerful. No, my wife and I, uh, only a couple of years ago, joined the Lions Club. Oh, Lions, yeah. And we go to the Lions Club. Most of the people there are retired. And they look forward to the meetings. That's every yeah. two weeks. And they come and they get, and, and, and they participate, they get involved. And I can see that it has a very positive effect on their lives. So I totally agree. It, 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 that 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 it really is good to join organizations. What if you're not a joiner? Okay. Yeah. What if you're not a joiner? That's right. Well, I, if I told my dad that, he'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you're gonna have some problems. You know. Again, these are the explorations I'm talking about. Maybe you want to try something you've never tried before. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. It's funny how we found the wines. We were at a restaurant eating, and and the, uh, in the town over, that's called Mespiqua. And they had the Master Goliaths Club meeting. And I walked and I heard them talking. And I walked over and I said, uh, how do you join the Lions? I said, where do you live? And they said, that's Seaford. That's one town over. They said, well, the president of the Seaford Lions Club happens to be here. And I talked to her, gave her my card, and bam, we got into the Lions. And I, I like the Lions because it not only is there a social meeting, but, but we do a lot of good things. I was actually a member of Rotary as a young as a you know, when I was younger, actually, uh, and, and we had outreach. I mean, Rotary helped with uh, blindness around the world. Rotary That's helped with do. polio. What do you get? What does Lions do? Well, Lions is big in vision. vision. We actually support uh, uh, the, the eye bank, the local eye bank. We, many of our people uh, transport uh, corneas to, uh, from the eye bank to a hospital. Uh, we collect glasses. We support diabetes. We're big in diabetes. We send kids to diabetes camp. That's where. Oh, uh, interesting. Where, where this is a type one diabetes. The kids, you know, juvenile diabetes. The kids don't know what's, what's going on. I mean, what kid, what do you mean I can't have candy? You know? So we send them to this camp 
and they teach them about diet and they teach them and 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 they and, and they teach them how to manage it and they and they give them support. So those are some of the things. But we also do fundraising for all kinds of things. You know, the the idea is that the world has been good to us. We want to give back. You know, wow. but my dad said, if, if God is good to you, you got to give back, but you can't just write a check. Can't just write a check. I like that. I, I don't know if I've heard that. You can't just write a check. He was, um, he was a smart guy. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, one of the things that I call, you know, I call it a hobby on steroids is it called a core pursuit. And these are the things that I believe that doesn't matter what they are. You got to have at least 3.6 of these. The happy retirees have close to four core pursuits. The unhappy group has 1.9. But I don't know if you had a label for them in the retirement maze or not, or call it core pursuit, whatever you want to call it. What are yours? What are your, some of your, it sounds like lions is, is one. Lions. Well, I'm still working. You're still working. I'm working. And you're a drummer, right? I, I work. Um, I don't work more than seven days a week, but you know, I can't. <laughs> I don't work more than seven days a week. I'm, I have a huge operation. I've got a thousand students, a uh, hundred and some odd part uh, full time. And uh, I mean, I, I got a big operation and I love it. But I still love to do the things that I like to do. And one of the things I love music, I'm in, I have music everywhere. I play the drums. Uh, I play some piano. I taught myself a little bit of piano. And I just have some fun. I like to read. Uh, I'm Besides being a psychologist, and I'm a trained therapist, a licensed therapist, uh, I'm a statistician. In fact, that's what I taught in school mostly. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn new stuff. Why? For me, and then I do also do statistics for faculty, help faculty members and stuff. But I think if, if you tell me, ask me what I'm interested in, I'm interested in lots of things. Yeah. And I do, yeah. I believe what I call the bumper car theory of life. Yeah, what is that? I've never heard you of You know, that. you're driving down, you hit something, it changes you in a different direction. You hit something, it changes you in a different direction. <laughs> and, and I follow the lead. You know, B.F. Skinner, who was not known for his uh, synthetic personality, wrote something, and when he said, in life, when you find something interesting, drop everything else and study it. B.F. Skinner. Yeah, who was not known for his, he was a very dry speaker, but he wrote, and I thought to myself, that's a great thing. And it that's is. what I think you need to do. It's not that you go from one thing to another, but sometimes you're doing something and it's not getting you anywhere. And you say, you know what? That looks interesting. Let me, let me take a look at that. Let me try that. So I, I'm interested in, in, you know, a bunch of different things. Well, when, are you ever going to retire? I mean, you, you, it sounds like you have enough fun that to your earlier story, I guess somebody that was in the survey said that they were, quote, already retired the way he looked at it because he yeah. didn't need to anymore. You're probably in in that scenario where you you're, you could stop tomorrow if you really wanted to. But you love do you love it? Yeah, I do love what I do. I love what I do. I, I'm a people person. I love managing people. I, I just wrote a book called and I, i'll tell you a very quick story a friend of mine who was a senior who was, who was a senior professor at a major university used to say to me oh you ought to write a book on academic administration i said no nah, i don't want to and then Torres started the leadership academy they asked me to talk i said well what do you want to talk about i i, I said what do you want to talk they said tips for an academic administrator so i made a list of 26 27 things things like if you have nothing important to say keep your mouth shut Hmm. All right. And, and each, each tip had a general principle, had some examples, and then, you know, the general tip. 
And afterwards, the head of the academy came to me and said, you really want to write a book. This is really good stuff. He said, there's lots of books on leadership, but there's no practical guides. Yeah. So it's on Amazon. It's called Tips for Academic Administrator. And where did I get some of the tips? My uncle, my father. And I mean, my father gave me one of the most valuable tips I ever got. He said, you can learn something from everybody, even if it's what not to do. That's awesome. And boy, oh boy, have I utilized that. Well, I can see, I can see how you, you run uh, a large institution because um, I feel like you do have a lot of it, so much wisdom and a really fun way of delivering it too. I feel like you're, you could be a stand-up comic too. So have you ever done that? No, I haven't done that. I, I was a drummer and I used to do the, 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 I played weddings for a while. When I did that, I did all the shtick, you know, the pride oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So I did, I did enjoy that. I love teaching. I, I think teaching is a performing art. And when you teach yeah. something the way I do, statistics and the kind of stuff that scares the hell out of people, you, you got to be funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I once walked out of a class and a guy in the class next to me said, excuse me, what are you teaching there? I said, statistics. He says, what do they laugh at all the time? I said, yeah. When they laugh, they're less anxious, but they're less anxious, they can learn something. <laughs> oh, man, this is good. Well, listen, uh, thank you for taking the time out for re- our Retire Sooner audience. And I think that there's just a lot to learn from you and uh, a very, very interesting perspective. I, I, I really enjoy these things. I like, you know, I think a lot about this stuff. This, this is serious stuff to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we've joked, but retirement is serious because some people really have such a difficult time and they, and they, and they suffer when they, when they don't really need to, and, you know, and uh, you know what, I mean, look, the kind of books we write, we're never going to make a lot of money. I don't really care. Yeah. I want to, I want to get a message out the best I can. Yeah. So, you well, you might make at least a little bit of money. Maybe, maybe after the, your book goes viral after this podcast, maybe a little bit of money. It's okay. <laughs> but you know, quite frankly, uh, Financially is, is not an issue for me. What would I do? Well, I give it to my grandchildren. Yeah. It's for the next generation. For absolutely. For... absolutely. Wes, it's been a pleasure. Lou, what a delight. Thank you. Thank you for your insights on the psychological side of retirement and then relationships and marriage in retirement. You can find Lou's book on Amazon, The Retirement Maze. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.